You are listening to Payers, Providers, and Patients, Oh My. I'm Joe Records. And I'm Pyle Nanavati. Today we're joined by Stacey Heller from our Government Affairs Group and Michelle Chipatine from the Healthcare Group to talk about the latest activity under Section 1557 of the Affordable Care Act. Section 1557, in broad terms, prohibits discrimination in healthcare. That's right, Pyle. And and as we've covered on this podcast before, the implementation of Section 1557 has been kind of a swinging pendulum. Uh, It was enacted in the Affordable Care Act in 2010, and then an initial set of regulations interpreted Section 1557 pretty expansively under the Obama administration in 2016. And then subsequent rulemaking really scaled back the application of the law under the Trump administration in 2020. Now, the Biden administration has proposed a rule that would align more closely to the 2016 framework with a few key changes. And while the executive branch has oscillated, a few key cases have been winding their way through the courts, taking on the issue of individuals' non-discrimination rights versus organizations' religious freedoms. The most controversial feature of non-discrimination has been the extent of the prohibition against discrimination on the basis of sex. So you'll hear a lot about that today. Why don't we kick things off by turning to Michelle for a brief refresher on what 1557 is and and what it does. Sure, Joe. I appreciate you guys having me on the podcast today. So as mentioned, Section 1557 of the Affordable Care Act prohibits discrimination in health care by incorporating four key federal non-discrimination laws and applying them to healthcare programs receiving federal financial assistance. So the four laws are Title IX of the Education Amendments of 1972, the Age Discrimination Act of 1975, Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973, and Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. So to put it more briefly, these laws together prohibit discrimination based on race, color, national origin, age, disability, and important to our discussion today, sex. So as mentioned, 1557 incorporates each of these laws and also captures core interpretation of the scope of these laws, as well as enforcement rights that are granted under each law. Uh, Section 1557 is enforced by the Office of Civil Rights, which is part of the Department of Health and Human Services, and is also the office that enforces federal regulations that implement each of the four federal laws mentioned earlier that are incorporated into 1557. Thanks, Michelle. So this law has been around for a while. We've actually discussed it on the podcast a couple of times. But let's start our discussion by talking about what's new and exciting. So, Stacey, let's start with you just to talk about the oscillating regulatory history under Section 1557. Sure. And thanks. The regulatory history, as you have mentioned, is certainly, I think, best characterized as a pendulum. It's very complicated. And the 2016 regulations interpreted the law to apply broadly define discrimination expansively and impose substantial requirements on regulated entities. In 2020, the law was scaled back to limit regulator entities' obligations. And now the Biden administration's long-awaited proposed rule is similar to, but in, in some ways, even more expansive than the 2016 rule. I will hit a few highlights of the rule 
the rules content that has changed before and appears to be about to change again. Let's start with the most talked about provision of the Section 15.7 rules. The 2016 regulations define sex discrimination broadly to include pregnancy, false pregnancy, termination of pregnancy or recovery therefrom, childbirth or related medical conditions, sex stereotyping, and gender identity. The 2020 regulations repealed that definition, restriction protections, especially with respect to sexual orientation and gender identity. This component of the 2020 rules was enjoined, leaving in place the 2016 rules to a limited extent and leaving many confused about the state of the law. The proposed rule would restore the protections for gender identity and sexual orientation and would further clarify that sex discrimination includes discrimination on the basis of sex stereotypes, sex characteristics, including intersex traits, and pregnancy or related conditions, including pregnancy termination. The proposed rule would go even beyond the 2016 rule and prohibit covered entities from discriminating on the basis of sex with respect to an individual's marital, parental, or family status. Thanks, Stacey. And I I do want to get back to the other regulatory provisions as well, because there's a lot that's been proposed here and really a lot of important content, but there's just been too much action on the the sex discrimination front to to leave them so quickly. So can we actually shift over to Michelle for a minute here to talk about some of the recent litigation? Yes, happy to, Joe. So the Affordable Care Act in general has been rife with litigation and especially for 1557. It's impossible to talk about it without discussing the litigation. So there's a lot of tension between the prohibition against sex discrimination and the religious freedoms of the regulated entities. One of the primary issues that's been raised by states and various religiously affiliated healthcare organizations is whether Section 1557 can be interpreted in a manner that would require them to perform gender confirmation services or abortion services or provide insurance coverage for those services. So as mentioned earlier, Section 1557 incorporates by reference uh, various federal laws that prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex and specifically Title IX of the Education Amendments. So back in 2020, the Supreme Court issued a decision in Bostock v. Clayton Code, Georgia, and the Supreme Court conclusively held that sex discrimination under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act necessarily includes discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender identity. So Bostock's holding interpreted sex discrimination under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, not Title IX of the Education Amendments, which is the one incorporated into 1557. However, courts have interpreted the prohibitions against both statutes as covering the same conduct. The Supreme Court's interpretation of sex discrimination under Title IX would automatically become part of the interpretation of Section 1557. However, there's been several district courts, and most recently the Fifth Circuit, that have held that 1557 cannot require an entity to perform gender affirming or abortion services, or to provide coverage of those services. And those courts have found that Section 1557 interferes with religious freedom rights under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Uh, So needless to say, this issue, it's not going to be swept under the rug. 
I think we can expect a lot more litigation and a lot of pushback against the proposed rule. Many suspect the Supreme Court might ultimately also need to weigh in. So it sounds like we'll need to stay tuned to see what happens next in the courts. Stacey, can we turn it back to you for some more commentary on what's in the proposed rule and how that would change the status quo? Yeah, well, thanks, Payal. So although it's not as likely to appear in the mainstream press, the Biden administration's proposed rule does a lot to reverse the regulatory policy changes of the 2020 rule. I do want to point out some notable differences from the 2016 rules. Applicability under the proposed rule is a key issue affecting regulated entities. Under the 2016 rules, Section 1557 applied broadly at the entity level to organizations receiving federal financial assistance for healthcare programs and activities. The 2020 rules narrowed the scope of that rule, particularly for health insurance issuers, by applying the rule to particular programs or activities that receive federal financial assistance. The current rules apply more broadly to providers or other entities that are principally engaged in the business of providing healthcare, but the limited applicability to coverage was a major rollback. The proposed rule would re-expand the scope to apply to every covered entity operating a health program or activity receiving federal financial assistance either directly or indirectly. But this comes with one major caveat. The proposed rule expressly clarifies that Section 1557 does not apply to employers, including with respect to employee health benefit plans. And much like with applicability, the proposed rules would revert back to the 2016 rules with respect to the affirmative obligation on covered entities to name a non-discrimination compliance coordinator, put in place policies and procedures, and issue notices of non-discrimination, all of which have been stripped from the 2020 rules. The proposed rule would go a step further and require training to employees and would significantly modify the notice obligations that existed under the 2016 rules. And without spending too much time on the other provisions, I'll just note a few other important changes that appear in the proposed rules. So if finalized, the proposed rules would restore translation and other requirements to help people whose proficiency in English is limited. The Biden rules would clarify Section 1557's application to technological innovations, um, such as telehealth, clinical algorithms, and machine translation. And to bring this back once more to sex and religion, the new rules would create a formal administrative process through which individuals and entities subject to Section 1557 may seek an exception to its application based upon federal conscience and religious freedom law. This provision likely was intended to head off legal challenges and certainly will be interesting to see how that goes. So to close us out here, what's what's next in the world of 1557? Well, The Health and Human Services Department received over 70,000 comments on this proposed rule, so I suspect it might take some time for them to finalize it. But note that it's been a high priority for the Biden administration, so I expect to see a final rule likely next year. When that happens, litigations will most definitely follow and we'll continue to watch where it goes. Great. Stacey, Michelle, thanks so much. Payers, Providers, and Patients Oh My is a podcast brought to you by Kroll and Mooring LLP. You can find more information at kroll.com slash healthcare podcast. Mm-hmm.